When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Courtside with Christy and Gabe. I am Christy Winter Scott, joined as always by my guy, Gabe Ibrahim. Gabe, man, we are in the thick of it. Yes. WNBA finals are right here in our faces, and just wow, the, the game last night, that's I'm just going to say just wow on that. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take a deep dive into what happened. Our, uh, our our intro there had about as good of timing as uh, the Chicago Skies <laughs> offense did down the stretch. Uh, that, that's about where we are, and that's right. about where Chicago yeah. was. So yeah. uh, we get to talk about that. Lovely to have everyone in the stream if you're joining us on YouTube or if you're listening to us later. Love to have you as well. Just make yeah. sure you like and subscribe and follow and give us comments. Tell us what we're doing good. Tell us what we're doing bad. We moved over to StreamYard, so obviously everything's live streaming now. You know, remember how you remember how often we used to like mess up the intro? Yeah. Now I, just don't you know, do that. Well, I got a, I got an alert and it covered you up, so I couldn't see the cue. At, you know, I got a you know text or whatever. Oh really? It, it, okay. Yeah, well, and it covered I yeah. it covered you up, so I couldn't quite see. So I was like, hey, hey, everybody. So yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, no, but it is, it is really nice to be here live with everyone um, tweeting stuff out. I also want to point out that uh, James, hey, he said new thumbnail indeed. Correct, because my thumbnail for this video as of last night before the game was with Chicago and Candace Parker on the right-hand side against Las Vegas. Uh, yeah. And now I have to change my backup one, which was for Connecticut. Yeah. Because the sun... Uh, pulled it off they in dramatic fashion. They did an eighteen zero run mm. to to finish the game. The law. The hold on. I want to get the exact stat that I found yeah. from Alexa Philippou. It's from ESPN. Yeah. That's an info. The eighteen zero run is the longest scoring run to close out a WNBA playoff game in league history. 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 Wow. Lord have mercy. You know what? I mean, it, it's the five points generated by Chicago for me. And credit Connecticut. 
in that way. But also in listening to the post-game presser and hearing Courtney Vandersloot say, we were playing not to lose. And man, oh man, listen. No, you, man, that's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can't. I don't care if you're playing rec ball. <laughs> I don't care what, what age, gender, level. When you have that mentality or you can feel that energy from your team, teammates, whatever, that's hard to recover from, especially at home. Like mm -hmm. you, you're supposed to win that game. You were 4-0 against Connecticut during the regular season. You were, I don't know, there were so many things that were heavy if you let it be. And to hear Vandersloot say that they kind of let it be, you know, and they had three timeouts. And sometimes when you take a timeout, it's not strategic. Sometimes it's momentum. No. <laughs> and you just, hey, sit down, get something to drink and, and lock in, man. Lock in. We have five points. Like they have five points in the fourth quarter. At the seven-minute mark, was it? Well, they didn't score the last, like, four minutes. I think. They did score the last 446 of this game. Come on, man. Come on. Like, in addition to only having five points in the fourth quarter. Hey, and you get the TV timeout, but listen, you have three full timeout, or you have three timeouts left. And this is, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not bashing James Wade, love him, good guy, everything. You got to take a timeout. Like, take a timeout. Take one. And just for momentum's sake, because an 18-0 run season on the line i don't care you don't have to change the defense you don't have to say okay we're going to run this play sit them down and maybe don't say anything and look them in the eye like is this how we go is this how we're going to go out like what if we're getting punched and punched and punched and we're not punching back what are we going to do and i think it you know a strategy aside that was mentality mm -hmm. down the stretch for the sky unfortunately i mean you saw the dismay, I mean, all the fans, I mean, it was so quiet in that in that building. Yeah. And after winning a championship as a six seed last year, you know, I was thinking they could draw from that, you know, being, yeah. it, it, being down in that moment. But wow, I mean, only five points in the fourth quarter, I, I, you know, and credit Connecticut. I mean, obviously no disrespect to them by saying what I'm saying. No, no. I, I just think that it was, you know, the third quarter, Chicago played great. They had a 10-point lead going into the fourth at home in a closeout game five. And I, I just, I don't know, I just disintegrated in front of our eyes. You know, it kind of, this is going to be a weird analogy. It kind of felt like a very, like a turtle race, you know, because both Careful these offenses. Turtle. Careful huh? with turtle stuff. No, not, um, okay. not a, I'm not, turtles are slow. It's fair to say <laughs> Outside of the water, very fast in the water. Okay. Turtles are slow. So it's a land turtle race because these offenses couldn't really do much the entire the entire time, right? Right. The, the, neither of these teams could score. Um, right. But I think it was just a matter of who got the run at the end. Yeah. And, and we saw who got the run at the end. It happened to be Connecticut. And you know what else um, this reminded me of? It, and I forget. I think, I think Miles Ehrlich said this to me, mm -hmm. that this is just like that game one against new york there yeah. was that big moment yeah. uh in the new york game it was marines pass mm. and then in the in this connecticut game it was the little scuffle with uh clea copper and dewana bonner we could talk about that yeah man. then it's just this this tidal wave from the other team mm -hmm. of putting chicago down and it was one of those things that we have talked about throughout the year with chicago they're an excellent team 
great yeah. players. Yeah. They have Kansas freaking Parker, right? But all of their games with their, were within one possession. Yes. Pretty much every game they played was in was within one possession. And that made it it makes the margin of error really thin. And if you go on a bad stretch and then you let go of the rope, like I think you're saying Chicago did, this is what happens. But I right. did find the little analogy the 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 connection between that game one in New York and this one in Connecticut. All right. uh, to, to be very apt. I think you're right. I mean, right. when you have, when you have the momentum, you got to hold that rope, like you said, and you could just feel it. You could feel it going mm -hmm. away from Chicago. You can feel it going away. And then the frustration starts to set in with the team. And then now, yeah, you're pressing. And when I say pressing, it's not like a one, two, yeah, two yeah. press. It's like mentally you're pressing, like, Oh my gosh, we, we have to get this play done. You're going to force some things like that pass off the backboard one down. The, I've never seen that happen for Chicago. I, and I'm like, that was a vital, it was a three point game at that juncture with a minute. Something they needed to score. I don't care if it's a two or a three, you got to get a bucket right there. It was early in the shot clock. And, and early, I just don't, I don't know what, I don't know what happened. Play. It was a big play. And it's just, you know, that, that awareness uh, and, and focus of the moment, right? Not necessarily of whatever play you're running, although you need that. It was the lack of the focus mentally to just bear down, lock in, get tunnel vision. I don't care where the game's being played, but you're at home, I get it, but you can't let that mm -hmm. resonate with you and take you to a, a place of stress like, oh my gosh, if we lose, we're gonna be on our home court, and we're gonna lose. Like who, first of all, who, like, I don't, I'm sure that wasn't said out loud because that would be ignorant, right? Nobody's, no, 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 no. Nobody's no. saying that out loud. Coaches, players, no one's saying that out loud. You're going to have this team win on your home court. No one's saying that. Okay. I hope because that's not, no, the that's, angle not, you that's want. not what went down for sure. No, because it's like, don't think about a pink elephant in the room. What are y'all thinking about? Pink elephant, right? Come on. Your focus needs to be on winning. Focus on the winning. Like, hey, on this play, I'm setting this screen. I'm going to set it hard so we can get something to the rim. Because they were doing so well getting to the basket. And I think that's what Connecticut did well down the stretch. They got the ball in the paint. They started mm -hmm. attacking. And when they went on that 18-0 run, what was it, 24-5? to five, You know, to in close In the last out. quarter, yeah. Yeah, come on, man. Like, they really did a good job with the big lineup to get the ball in there. And I thought that was their advantage in the game. And, you know, Chicago just missed makeable shots. They had yeah. to get some of those down, man. I mean, for most of the game, uh, what was it? Connecticut was shooting pretty well, but it was because they went inside at the end and that bolstered their, their overall field goal percentage for the game. But it was their efficiency down the stretch that, that did Chicago in. Yeah, and so I, I wanted to get your your thoughts on this comment from one in a million. So uh, they say Chicago lost the game more than the Sun won the game. Oh, here we go. So I just wanted to know it. Like I I disagree with that personally. I I, I can explain my Connecticut theory. I do think we need to talk a little bit more about Connecticut as as Kurt well. Miller Kurt Miller asked us to in the in the post game press conference. Um, he he said it in a little snarky way that you know uh, his team has eliminated Candace Parker in three of the last four postseasons, which is true. Um, but uh, she did eliminate them last year and then win the title. So hmm, tomato, tomato. But regardless, I think she, I think Connecticut did a lot to win this game. 
Yeah. Um, but I wanted to get your thoughts since you were since you were just talking about Chicago. Yeah, I you know what I it's again, it's not a disrespect to Connecticut by any stretch of the imagination. Okay, I was merely going on the advantage that they had coming into the series, which was four games to to zero on the winning side for the sky. And when you have that, okay, you know, sometimes it, it, I know it's zero, zero post game. I mean, postseason, you go straight in and, you know, you make the adjustments and advance. And, and that's what Candace Parker said coming into this game five. It's, it's not about survive in advance. It's about adjust and advance. And I think Connecticut made the adjustments. They went to their big lineup. They put the ball inside down the stretch and, and they got the job done. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's frustrating. And I know Connecticut has always said, we're disrespected. We're, you know, they've said it for a couple of seasons now, right? I got like this shirt three years ago. Oh, oh, you do have that on. I got this shirt three years ago. Yeah. And it's still true. And it's still true, but it's not, you know, you have to win, right? Then you get your respect. So now, you know, I don't know if they could they could market those shirts anymore because now you've advanced to the finals again. So just win. And and the respect comes along with winning. And you can't say, well, I'm disrespected, but then you're, you're not winning. But, but they won. But I, that's what I'm saying. Now you won. So it's like, so there you go. So you can't you can't keep saying that there it's disrespect because you don't as a team, you shouldn't be worried about what other people are saying anyway. Right. Sure. You shouldn't. You really shouldn't. And it's about the locker room and it's about what you all believe. And if people are going to disrespect you, then so be it. Like, OK, and it shouldn't matter. It should be a consider the source situation when it comes to that. Always said that. And, and when you win and you get disrespected, that's another thing, because that's a very real thing. Okay. And don't get me started on that because I'm going to take a sip of my espresso. <laughs> I know where we're going, but I do want to say on Connecticut, in fairness, we did not pick them. Certainly neither of us picked them to win this series. I didn't. Certainly, I would say probably 90% of the people doing this did not pick them. In fact, there was a video from the USA basketball camp in which every single person, except for Benajou Laney, who said she wished both teams would lose, which I love and she's correct. <laughs> she did say that. She did. But every person on the, in the Team USA camp Pick Chicago to win. Did they did? Look, there's something to the disrespect thing. I don't think that's what what pushed them to the championship. I love the narrative; it's great. Also, the shirt <laughs> is good. good. Although the shirt's really high, it's good for this podcast. But when I'm wearing it, it's just like oh, a yeah. but, mine too. But on oh the yeah, it's up there, you know, the top. Sure, yeah. I think it looks good though. <laughs> uh, but I I just think you know what what really pushed them, and you you said adjust in advance and that's what Candace and and Chicago did and, and they and that's how they've approached the game in this series and you could see it you know they did a lot of adjustments they did try a lot of different things they did you know some of those things work some of those things didn't some of them produce open shots that they missed right well I was listening to the press conference last night yeah. for Kurt Miller and Dewana Bonner yeah. uh, and and for Connecticut um and it was interesting because Kurt you know his whole thing is preparation is power you know, we will we will drill the tape since we can't practice. We need to hit the tape as hard as we can. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's Kurt's mentality. But after game three, uh, Dewana went to Kurt and said, we're not going to watch film today. 
right? They they had they were all together, and they said, you know, she said, "We're going to not do this today. It's going to be a team only meeting." And apparent and apparently in that time, they really figured things out. Yeah, and, and I don't think it was more about like, oh, you need, you know, we need to put the ball here. You know, you need to do this on her. I think it was more like we just need to play basketball together. Yeah. You have to believe. You have to believe, right? And that's yeah. a, that's the hardest thing to do because anyone, any yeah. anybody can draw up a play. Yeah, it takes a team to win and and make those plays. And I think what they did, and 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 this is something Kurt said was in the last few days, Dewana Bonner has t- like done wonders in the locker room in terms of getting the team you know, focused and ready to play on offense enough. They didn't score well in this game. They did not. No. But they did enough against Chicago to win this game. And I think a lot of it has to do with, like you're saying, we we we, we uh, did not like Chicago's mentality. I think you got to love Connecticut's mentality. I think they went out there and they just hooped and they trusted each other. And that's how you win games. And we'll talk about that with the Aces too, because the Aces said the same thing. Exactly. And I think when you're talking about Duana Bonner. She's the only player on that team with the championship ring, right? Okay. She's the only player on the team with the ring. Okay. So when you look at Las Vegas, we're going to get to the aces, but Chelsea Gray is the only player with a ring. Mm -hmm. And there's a different level from those two in particular in these games. Yes. Period. Because they've been there, done that, have the experience there. And it made a difference for their respective squads. And so when you have a player like Dewana Bonner, who I thought initiated that contact with Ka, and for it looked sure. like Ka was saying, relax. Ka was. was like, relax. And Bonner was like, and not today. Like she was in it. Like it became a thing. But that from that point, it was a 12-0 run, right? Like that, that was from the, that was to the end that. of the game. That was the, that, that was the start of the 18-0 run. They didn't score that, after that. No. But I don't understand. Like, I don't know. I. But with Bonner, I don't think it, I've been in a nose to nose square up, so I don't know what that. Does. But I've seen, I've seen physicality, right. of course. Um, but I've seen it work well for both teams, not one or the other. It just was one sided after that. Well, I, I don't. I, I just think there was, and and and, and Dewana brought this up in the post game yeah. that after that moment they got they had another chance to get together. And talk, yeah, and, yeah. and re and and refine that, you know, that com- that chemistry that they yeah. had in Game Four, and yeah. said they'd say we can do this. You know, they looked up and this is what Dewan said: like we looked up and we have a lot of time. We have a lot of time in this game. We can win it. And and uh, you know, I think that was a spark into doing what they did in Game Four, which was create chaos, create mm-hmm. turnovers, and make sure your defense is everywhere. And I think right. yep. you know. One of the stats that I just saw that I hadn't seen before. Um, so 23 team turnovers for Connecticut, 13 yeah. for Chicago. If you just told me that stat, I'm telling you Chicago won this game by 10, at least 10 points, right? Yeah. yeah. The points off turnovers. There it is. Tied at 17. Both teams had the same number of points off turnovers. Both teams had the same amount of fast break points. Mm. That's that's selling out to get back on defense, I think, for Connecticut and being really efficient in transition where they got some of those buckets at the end. So right. I, I just think Connecticut really, they just, they, their defense hung around. Their defense kept them in this game, kept mm-hmm. them, you know, surviving the punches and surviving the body blows. I thought this game was over, to be honest. I wrote it in my notes. I have it here. So it's about that time, folks. It means it's over. Yeah. Um, and, and they just kept themselves in it 
until their offense could get going. And that happened after they had that, that little time together after the scuffle. Right. I mean, when you have the same amount of points off turnovers, right, that means you had a ton of live ball turnovers mm. if you are Chicago. And yep. I just think the, the 10 turnovers after that, you said it was 13 to 23. So yep. you have 10 empty possessions as well. Mm-hmm. where you're turning it over like throwing it off the that backboard one i that lives I, in my nightmares I, I i could not rest um without thinking of that last night before going to sleep that one was like so bizarre um and that's not the reason why they lost but it was possessions like that when you don't even get an opportunity to test the rim and get a shot up like you have 10 empty plus 10 empty possessions in a game like that, and mm-hmm. you know, you go back to Game Four when Chicago had a slow start out of the gates, and then got themselves back together. But it's like you can't like we're in desperation mode right now. And I think Kalia Copper, I mean, she said that too. She said in in one of the interviews on the side, she said, "Hey, you know, I just want to win." Yeah. I, and she had a great game. You know, when she was getting to the rim, that was that was not something that Connecticut was guarding well. No, and 20, 22 points for her. Yeah, but she, like, I don't think any of, obviously, not a lot of those came down the stretch. And there had to have been more of an attack mode mentality from Chicago, from Copper. I mean, and, and this is, I love Ka, known her since Rutgers days. I get it. She just had to go to the basket. I think there was that corner three um, that she can make, makeable shot. And, you know, it, it can't be the home run every play, right? You've had success getting to the basket. Attack them, right? Yeah. You've got to get to the basket. And I think, you know, she found success with that prior to the fourth quarter. And uh, it just kind of went away. So it, it's, okay, yes, Connecticut did a good job defensively. But they, you know, were they, though? Because they weren't being attacked. Does that make sense? Like, we don't know. We can't gauge that because you're taking jumpers. Mieseman took a jumper, missed it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're taking jump shots instead of getting to the rim. At least if you miss that mm-hmm. that shot. I think Parker got in there and got herself to the line. She got in there at least two times, got herself to the free throw line. But it's like at least get to the to the rim and get some contact drawn. And and try to manufacture some offense from the from the line there. You can't settle for jumpers at that at that point of the game when the other team's on a big run, and they're not going down. Yeah, would be another thing if you were making those, but they weren't going in, man. So you gotta you gotta get to the basket, and then time out. Time out. Go to the basket. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, well, I also think it's tough to go get to the basket against Connecticut. And I also have I have a, I have a theory about uh, Chicago's offense too. Is like. The Chicago offense is is beautiful, right? Very beautiful, very um, based on timing and movement yeah. and teamwork. It's a yeah. motion based offense. There's a lot yeah. more motion in there than there is for say a team like Vegas, which we want to talk about later. Yeah. But when you have that motion, and and you know it's like a well oiled machine. Yes. Whereas Connecticut's offense, I wouldn't even say it's a machine. It's like just like a loose collection of things you have that sometimes works out. Um, so when you have something like that and Connecticut's able to throw in, you know, gunk into the machine, 
So we throw in, you know, John Quell on, on Candace. We throw in, you know, someone waiting at the rim. We throw in our nail help. We throw in these great recoveries that we have on defense. We right. throw in all those little deflections. I wish we had, I wish in the WNBA we kept track of deflections. Cause I think there's a lot more deflections yeah. than there were steals for yeah. Connecticut. Yeah. One of those messes up the entire possession. You have to get back into what you were trying to do before. So that's my theory is that Chicago's offense, while as beautiful as it was, was susceptible to a team like Connecticut, mm-hmm. the very disruptive team. Uh, and Mike Prada on Twitter, he actually brought up the um, an, an NBA analogy to the 2012 series between uh, San Antonio and Oklahoma City. Yeah, I thought that was really apt. I mean, not the same offensive talent for Connecticut, but just the way that series happened in which like San Antonio has this beautiful offense, but yeah. you can mess it up. You just have to mess up the timing a little bit at each step and yeah. then they're not going to score as well. And I think that's what Connecticut did. So that's my theory on, on Chicago's offense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm with you, you know, it, there's, we can talk about adjustments and all that. It, it, it's really about the, uh, it's about the mentality in my opinion. And, and, and that's not to take away from what Chicago has done in the past few years. No, some nights you just don't have it. That's the unfortunate part about the sport is sometimes you just don't have it. But game five, you have to have it. Like, <laughs> But it doesn't work out that way. Game five, it's not mid-July, you know, Saturday evening or the Sunday matinee game. It's game five. Like, but look. Going to the finals or not, man. Like, <laughs> If this game was 35 minutes long, how much complimentary stuff are we saying about Chicago, right? We're talking, hey, hey, the offense wasn't that good, but you guys got it done. They they stuck together as a championship team, right? So it's like they had it for a little bit. They, yeah. I, I think the defensive effort for Chicago was fantastic. Yeah. For the most part. It was. It just, I, it the was. offense just isn't there. It's such a fickle thing, offense. I don't know. It just got convoluted down the stretch, and, and then, you know, the eyes got big. And instead of eyes bearing down and getting the, the yeah. furled brow, they went up yeah. and it's like, Oh snap. You can't be Oh snap right there. And yeah. then you look to your side and you see a teammate and maybe you're not like, Oh snap, but you look and your teammates like, Oh snap. And then you're like, yeah. Oh snap. And then it trickles down and everybody's in panic mode in the wrong way. Like you have to be in desperation, competitive fight mode at that point. And if you see your teammate with the eyebrows up instead of down, Snap them out of it and say, yeah. hey, hey, we're not doing that. <laughs> this is our turn. Like, we just had a 10-point lead. We can't, like, I don't care what play it is that we're running. We just got to go hard. Mm-hmm. And that, you could tell, is what Connecticut was saying. And, and not the, thing, the eyebrow thing, but just in general, like what Bonner said, we have time. Yeah. We're right here. That's just four or five possessions. We can get that back. Let's get some consecutive stops and get down to get some buckets. And if we get bumped, we're not taking it. And then, you know, then we get the nails popping out and, and everybody's in the, you know. And no technicals during that. Were you surprised oh, that there was nothing in that? And I, I, you know, I know if Ka got that one more technical, she would have been suspended yeah. and all that. But I don't know. Did they, I don't know if they, I don't, I don't know if that factors into, but I just think that there are, there was a lot of shoving in that moment. And then James Wade was right underneath the rim. He was off the bench. Like, there's nothing there? So, I, I actually, I, I like that there was nothing there because I, I think you give a technical to calm things down and it's like, this is the end of game five of the WNBA semifinals. You don't need to do that. Like, the, the teams are going to get back 
to they're not going to escalate this i think at the end of this game when it's so close uh if it had gone out of hand if, if, if chicago had hit a few more shots and this mm-hmm. was a, a chicago blowout then maybe yeah. you would have been regretting that calling a technical because it probably was starting a fight but i think in this situation it's actually the right call however however i don't want to be <laughs> a ref however because i think i'll be on this fight. however side i don't want to be a i don't want to be a, a complaint about the refs guy I'm not. I'm not. I was just wondering. I was surprised, though. Well, on that one, and just like throughout the game, there was some bewildering calls, and it was so physical. Yeah, it was super physical. And they just kind of, I mean, at some point, they, I, you know, I think the refs kind of just let go and, and let them be physical, which is fine. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's game five. This is WMA Sanofels. That's amazing. But, I, you know, I, I think uh, Chicago has, has some complaints because they lost. I think if Connecticut lost. I'd be like, yeah, Connecticut has some complaints too. They they missed a ton of calls over there too. But I, I thought the rest were uh, missing a lot of calls. I I mean the one on John Quell where she was tangled up, and then on the so replay bad. you could really see it. I mean real time it was like, oh wow, she's like you know she's pretzeled down in there, arm down and pulled in and into the body and, um, but then in slow slow motion I was like, oh boy, that that was a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know it, and I'm not you know I'm not complain i was just thinking any other game i think something would have been called or or double technical like a double tech or uh, i don't know something in that juncture um but like you said they they calmed themselves down you saw parker in there calming things down too but john quell was you know she had some hands (laughs) put some hands on somebody you know it's it is what it is um but again that that fueled the charge for connecticut um down the stretch. I mean, it changed their entire no. approach to closing out that game with a win and, and credit them for that. I mean, I, I just thought that they made the shots. I mean, Courtney Williams shot. The way I was about to say, we got to talk a little bit about Courtney. Courtney, man, she's cold. She, woo, she, she's so tough Gabe. And she just, I mean, that was the dagger. That was the dagger. I, I was really, really proud of Courtney Williams in that yeah. game because I've been someone who is saying I've been defending her because there's a lot of people in the internet who don't like the way she plays. She does take a lot of bad twos. I, you know, I'm not going to argue with that. She, the, her shot profile is not the best. She's yeah. not the most efficient player in the world. Yeah. But she's got that dog in her. She has dog in I, her. I, you know, I knew that da- that dagger when she shot it. Mm-hmm. I was like, that one's going in. I've yeah. seen her miss that shot a lot. I knew right oh. then it was going in. And she was six for nine in this game. And I think what she did so well in games four and five was picking the right spots i think courtney can get a little bit you know excited and and she's just rushing into these you know these jumpers and it's like that's not your spot you're you're at you know you're coming off the wing essentially from 18 feet it's like that's not the shot get to the free throw line you know and and that's where she that's where she hit the dagger from right from the elbow but i was just i i was really happy that she was efficient that she understood exactly what the team needed from her. She did. And that is something that, you know, I've been telling people, Courtney can do this, Courtney can do this. And then she came through and she did it. And I was really, really happy for her. Her dad was there. We're really familiar with him here in DC, obviously. Um, But I thought it was just great to have, for her to have that moment. I was really, really happy for her. Yeah. And, and her game, I mean, for a long time, WNBA fans, you'll, you'll like this comment because she reminds me a lot of, um, Nolan, Tweety Nolan, oh, back with uh, Detroit, and just the way she gets her mid-range shots. Um, Deanna Nolan was just like that. 
you know, a mid-range killer. Like she was so tough to guard in those spots and she elevated and it's mm -hmm. almost the same way. Like she releases her release point on her shot. It's like all the way up off the floor and she's shooting at the top of her jump. Really a beautiful uh, mechanically executed jumper from the mid range and off of two feet when she's on balance, it, it's a killer. But Nolan was just like that, you know, was really smooth with it. Um, tough in that mid range area. But, but for Courtney Williams, I think it was huge too, because in the absence of Jasmine Thomas, I mean, they really need someone on the floor like that um, defensively too. I mean, she's one of the, the best rebounding guards in the league when you look at that. So it's not just her offensive prowess that stands out um, in this series or all season or in her career, but it's also her ability to get to the glass and yeah. her ability just to, to find those creases and elevate <laughs> from the rebounds. perimeter and time it out and, and get to the rim. I mean, she has six boards and five assists. Come on. I mean, she's doing more things than just scoring. And, and kids need to see that, too. It's not always about your buckets. How many stops can you get? How many extended offensive possessions can you create by attacking the offensive boards? Do that. How many plays can you create with those five assists? I mean, that's 10 or more points right there just from her ability to stay active. So she had a, a fantastic game yesterday, but an overall great series. No, I, I thought she played really well, and she came she came out in games four and five. Certainly, yeah. uh, I was very I was very very happy for her and Connecticut. You know, they deserve this opportunity. So, congrats to the Connecticut Sun. Yeah. I will stop disrespecting you. Although we'll see at the end of this podcast when we make our WNBA Finals predictions. Um, I do want to. We need to move on. You know, God, we always talk so long. I know, uh, it's fun. It is fun. Let's. <laughs> I want I want to talk about one more thing here. Okay. On Chicago and Connecticut, I we need to talk about Vegas because we need to talk about Joe's career, but. Yeah. Here's my question. Okay. Is this it for the for the Chicago Sky? I mean, certainly it is it for the Chicago Sky that we knew, right? Mm -hmm. This the entire team is basically uh free agents. And every major piece is a free agent, but Kalia Copper, Rebecca Gardner is reserved, so she plays in the WNBA next year. She will likely play with Chicago. Yeah. But everyone else is a free agent. And I don't know if you know Allie Quigley is hanging up. Certainly sounded like in her post-game press conference. Um, and, and, and it was off night for her it was a tough night for her to go out on for her career, but I know what a career for Allie Quigley. If that's, if that's what it is, we don't mm -hmm. know that yet. You right. know, is this it for Candace Parker? Candace that's said, I, I can't evaluate how I feel for basketball next season right now. Yeah. Um, you know, Cor Courtney Vandersloot has had problems with the prioritization rule and may not want to come back to the United States, especially if Allie is not playing in the WNBA. So I don't. We don't know the answers to those questions, no. but certainly this team is going to look different come next year. Yeah. What What do you think about their future? It's up in the air, clearly. Yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, I'm glad that they won it last year. But again, it's what have you done for me lately? And and that was last night. And that was just, like you said, not a, not a good note to, to close the season out on when you have gas left in the tank. And I think they did with how they uh, went into that fourth quarter with that 10 point lead. But will this team look the same? I, I don't think so. And I, I, I don't think, and this is just my opinion today. And this yeah. could change obviously with, with what happens, but I think Sloot and, and Quigley, I don't think they're coming back. That's just my, that's just my opinion. 
Candace Parker, I mean, before this season started, right? I mean, obviously she's going to continue to get these questions, much like Sue Bird over the last no. five years and Jaina Taurasi over the last several years. They've been asked this question repeatedly. Um, I think that for Candace Parker, she's got to sit down with her family. I mean, she has a new newborn son, you know, is under a year old and Lay is in eighth grade. I don't know. It's just there, there's a lot um, to factor in. And she really gave it all. I mean, what a season she had. I mean, breaking multiple records on a lot of different things, rebounds. Game, games all. one and two of this series yeah. were two of the best basketball games I've ever seen someone play. Oh, even phenomenal. though she lost one of them. But right. But phenomenal. It, and I just think it's, it's, you know, it's not a and that's I mean, we we as media people want to ask that question when the season's over because you have access to these players but there's no way 10 minutes after <laughs> your season's over that you have had time to marinate think things through make a pro and con list like you know that's you're not going to get the answer and you're always going to get that answer like i need to think about it i have to process it and and that's fair but i guess you i don't know do you have to ask that question to them at that point do you have to ask it? I don't. As media to media, like I'm asking, like, would you ask that? Uh, I wouldn't, because I don't like like you're saying. Like, I try to get uh, question the questions that are going to get answers because they, people have thought they have had time to think yeah. about it or something. They're not. Uh, gonna that. They're not. Gonna I under that. I understand the question, and like you said, it happens to everyone it at, does. at this age. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I really, I really hope it's not. I don't. You know. I'm I'm uh, I'm not a fan of any team. So if Courtney Vanderslu wants to play on whatever team she wants to, that's great. I just want to see her in the WNBA. I know. And I don't know. I I just think for this Chicago Sky team, this for this group, yeah, it might be more or less the end of the line. And James Wade kind of talked about it. He said, you know, this year I just hope we played Sky basketball. We we made a lot of people happy with the way we played basketball. I just hope that's what we did. And it kind of sounded like. You know, I don't know what's next. And I don't think he knows what's next. I don't no. think anyone knows what's next. No. Um, but it is, it is, um, th this is a good time to just reflect on like how this Chicago Sky team played. Cause like I yeah. mentioned, it's beautiful. It's beautiful basketball. It's together. <laughs> how they won the championship last year was some of the best point guard play I've ever seen from Courtney Vandersloot, along with Kalia Copper becoming yeah. a star, along with yeah. Candace getting her ring at home. Like, they had everything going last year and this year they didn't. And that's just unfortunately how basketball works. And that's sad, but yeah. I think it is, we should remember the sky team as, as what they were, which is just a beautiful basketball team. Yeah. Agreed. And, and it's tough. I, I mean, especially in, down the stretch against a tough Connecticut team. I mean, and Connecticut again, give, give them credit for going in there and having the moxie mm -hmm. to, not just survive the series, but dominate down the stretch and, and take that game from them at home. And it was, it was remarkable to see that. Um, and I know that, that uh, Kurt Miller always talks about like the Ferris wheel, right. Yeah. <laughs> and how sometimes you're at the top and like, Oh, like down at the Harbor, right. There's like the yeah. Ferris wheel down there. It's beautiful. Oh my gosh, look at this view. But then you come back down to the bottom. And I mm. think that's where, Chicago is right now. Last year, they were at the top of Ferris wheel. And then this year, you know, it just didn't happen for them. Um, frustrating as it may be. I, I just think that they they knew what it took to win, but couldn't execute it. And they there's nothing it. worse than that as a competitor. Like you knew. 
and and Courtney Vandersloot said we're playing not to lose. Like you you understood mentally what was happening and couldn't overcome it. And as a competitor, that is extremely frustrating. It's just basketball, especially at this level where everyone is so good. Yeah, it's fickle. It's it's sporadic. The yeah. what you can do one day is not what you can do the next day. Even even against the same situation, which it never is. Yeah. That's the thing about basketball. Every every single time down the floor almost is a completely brand new set of circumstances. Yeah. And I just dropped something. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but I think for you know for Chicago, just didn't they didn't have the circumstances this year. It didn't yeah. work out. Last year they did. Maybe may, maybe we could talk about the one game playoff and how it benefited them. Maybe we could talk about you know whatever uh, whatever. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's just they had it last year. They didn't have it this year. Basketball is a funny thing. I think this team's still great. I think they got a year older. They did look a little a little older, especially Allie Quigley, as I mentioned. But I think they had enough, and it just didn't work out. They were five again. If this game was thirty five minutes long, we are talking about the Chicago Sky in the finals. Different so, deal. Yeah, it's a different deal. The game's forty minutes long, though. Right, and I think Salute said that too. I think she said, you know, we have several players that are over thirty three years old and and not as an excuse or anything like that it's just reality okay and it almost sounded like she was saying what you said about you know fatigue setting in but sometimes it's not just your physical fatigue like running from no it's definitely it's here for sure it's right here you run Um, out of gas you run out of gas as a team i think i saw it happen to the miami you know we could go through the list of teams yeah in in WNBA champions or NBA champions, yeah. At some point, they usually run out of gas. That's what makes Michael Jordan so amazing. He somehow never did, uh-huh. uh, and that's why we're all trying to figure out how he did that. But every right. team runs out of gas. Yeah, and I think this it just happened for Chicago. I hope it's just not the last time we see everyone back. I'm sure it'll be some different team, some different players, yeah. maybe some different core pieces. But I hope we see at least a good chunk of it back. Yeah. Um, and how about I, Connecticut? Like, you know, without Jasmine Thomas this year, <laughs> you know, getting to the finals and Alyssa Thomas doing her things. I and mean, she was so physical. I mean, all her career. So it's not like just yeah. yesterday. Um, but what a difference maker, you know, she is on the court and the experience of John Cole Jones last year's MVP. I mean, they're just solid. And, you know, Brianna Jones for that matter. Yeah tough to stop six player of the year this year i mean they just have they just have a, a good complimentary lineup that they can throw at you and and hurt you in a lot of different ways and and again when they went to that big lineup it really made a big difference for them yeah no resilient a resilient connecticut team okay we got we got to keep moving we talked okay. for 41 minutes about just this one game it deserved it it deserved it so we're gonna go along <laughs> because that game was awesome was. uh but uh, the, um, but the way that I think what we have to move on to is uh, one of the best playoff performances we've ever seen from Chelsea Gray. Uh, Vegas gets to the finals in four games. They beat Seattle. Uh, they got to the overtime game in game three was incredible. Uh, Dice it up. Talked about that one, but it, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts on it. In game four, an incredible effort from Gray to close it out. Aja yeah. Wilson, was also incredible in the series. Amazing basketball in mm-hmm. the series. One of the highest quality series we've ever seen. But Vegas wins it in four games. Oh, my gosh. Let's go back to that overtime game. Because, first of all, I'm surprised that my voice is still intact. Because I, I was hollering in here. 
Oh my God. That game was epic. They need to put that like on NBA TV, you know, like they do all the Oh, it will. They got to show that, man. They, they got to show that again. Um, and game four too, for that matter. But I think for game three, the dramatics of the last two minutes <laughs> were insane. Like within milliseconds of dramatic moments here and there, like that's the game. No, it's not. That's the game. No, it's not. That's the game. It was, I don't know. That That's, I think, the best basketball game this year, any level, whatever. Um, but the fight of the Las Vegas Aces and just to have been around them, you know, to see how they practice, how methodical, how intricate, how detailed um, their process has been in this postseason. I, I think it's really been masterful. And Becky Hammond, coach of the year for a reason, I think she has really captured the hearts and minds of her players. They respect her immensely. And it goes both ways. The trust factor, you know, I don't know if you've seen that video where she was discussing mm -hmm. what trust means and, and all of the ways. And I just thought that, you know, that just encapsulizes everything that Becky Hammond has meant for the squad. And when you have that trust, I mean, you could play free. And you were talking about in the Latin, in the Connecticut Chicago series, like, let's just go play basketball. Connecticut was saying to themselves, that's what you see. But for the aces, they're just playing basketball, but they, they, they're in sync. Yes. They don't go deep into their bench. They have this really extraordinary rhythm with one another and understanding and trust. Um, and they have a, a high level of respect for everyone's role. And it's so very apparent, especially in that game three and that overtime game where they had to slug it out and just grind and grit for it and got it done. And then the way Chelsea Gray in game four just went bananas. Again, surprised my voice is intact because I was screaming. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, her shots were so clutch. And at least three times, and it may have been more than that, the coverage going underneath the screen. I'm like, she's going to keep killing you. You're going to keep going underneath on her. She's going to let it go. And she was just a rock star when it came to execution and hitting big time shots when the team needed. So it was just, it was beautiful to see that level of uh, excellence from Las Vegas. No, they were, they were absolutely. And you're right. You know, they do play a little, uh, I mean, they, they have that chemistry, but they built that chemistry because they've played together all year. And I think the biggest, one of the biggest things for Vegas that I underestimated was how in shape they are this year. Uh -huh. You know, I was, Asia Wilson sat for four minutes in the series. Wow. And, and she was asked about it after, and she just said, I, I put myself through training for an 82-game NBA season, so mm -hmm. I would be ready for this, to right. be able to do this after a long season playing. I think the entire Aces organization, you know, obviously it helps that Jackie Young and Kelsey Plummer are young and always have been in great shape. Yeah. Uh, it, helps, it helps that um, Kia Stokes has gotten in great shape as well. It's a, that's an organizational thing, but I think it goes back to Chelsea Gray. You know, I loved what she said in that post game after game four, where she was like, I got meaner, I got leaner, I got tighter. I got what it was like a Muhammad Ali line. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. And she absolutely had the right to say it. 50 points, 22 assists in the last two games. In the in games three and four, she per, uh, she accounted for either scoring or assisting on 53.6% of Vegas's points. Wow. That includes wow. free throws. Wow. So that's like, this is all their points. Yeah. Oh man. That's just, that is, that's supremely amazing. And I, I just think 
you know, like what she said. I mean, last year she had to come in and, and make adjustments uh, to Bill and Beer and, and how mm -hmm. they played the game. And then this year, again, making adjustments to what Becky Hammond wants for this team and an extension of, of the coach on the floor and the point guard position. So, I mean, just just phenomenal in terms of her decision making, uh, when to shoot it, when to pass it, um, when to initiate. But it's just her fire for me. I mean, her facial expressions, like if I'm playing with her or, you know, yeah. if we're on the team with Chelsea Gray, you and I gave, man, listen, we would, I mean, it would be plus 10 points yeah. every time. And she just generates that kind of, of energy and, and fire for the team. I mean, it's her motor that has really proven to be the straw that stirs their drink, if you will. Um, during the postseason this year, all season long, but in particular in these clutch moments, like without her on the floor, I don't think they did the same thing. No, no, they I mean, do not win the series without Chelsea Gray. Incredible, incredible. <laughs> uh, what do you say? I'm looking at the comments now. I mean, Phoenix says uh, Chelsea Gray is not a human being. Tiger was just on there saying the point guy is in a class of her own, and I agree with that. <laughs> Dan Dano said Chelsea Gray got like four dogs in her. <laughs> like it and then she got plum dog right there with her i mean got plum dog who was killing at the beginning of game four i mean at all the games but oh my god they just have a lot of spirit and and as we saw in the connecticut series like sometimes it's that mentality that carries you over and the confidence and belief and trust all of those things that's why these are the two teams in the finals yeah no that, that's the big reason why and and there's spa everyone contributed to Chelsea Grace night. They had mm -hmm. great spacing. You know this team did have great spacing. And like Jaquita points out in the comments, like in the in the post in the exit interview, Gabby said she played the best defense of her life on Chelsea Gray. Didn't matter. Co new Co Coach Quinn said there's no one on the planet Earth who could guard uh, Chelsea Gray. And I I wrote about her in um, on my newsletter just about everything she did in this game. And it really was you know they threw something at her and she would immediately throw it right back in their face. I I wrote you know they could come up with a thousand ways to try to stop her and she would come up with a thousand and one solutions. <laughs> that's because right. that's, that's what she was doing. It's like if they went under, it was it was a hit. That that what Seattle did was start selling out to the elbow because that's where Chelsea hits her shots. They brought nail help and specifically to the elbows, specifically to the left elbow. They didn't, yeah. they didn't want her to get to that left elbow and either she would go and then there would be someone open. Like Kia Stokes had like two just wide open layups on yep. that exact play. Yep. And then yep. it's like, sometimes she would just still hit the shot. It would two people in front of her. Yeah. It didn't matter. Yeah. I, I, the performance and it's crazy too. It is crazy too that we are sitting here leading off with Chelsea Gray. And everyone agrees that this is the, the comment, the, the player to lead off with, right? Yeah. Think about the players in this series, right? We have Brianna Stewart tied the WNBA record for points in a, in a, point, in a playoff game. Yeah. Jewel Lloyd, playoff career high in game four. Yeah. Asia Wilson had back-to-back 30-point double-doubles. Insane. And had a big game four. Yeah. You know, you look at all the stars – uh, on this list and you probably list out and Sue Bird obviously in her last oh, in her man. last go round and that we can talk cool. about we can talk about that when we get to Seattle but yeah. like you look at the stars right you probably say like well you know what what how far down is Chelsea Gray on this list in terms of star power huh I don't know if she's not anymore down. I don't know if it's like I don't think it's a list I think it's like columns like because <laughs> well just in terms of like how people I think people have viewed, I think people have viewed Chelsea as a as a third star 
you know, and that's not that's not unfair. She did play with Neka Gumake and she did play with Candace Parker, right. right? And and then when she got to Vegas, it was Liz and Asia. Yeah. And then this year, you would even say, I mean, we can, we're going to talk about the MVP voting. Yeah, there are two of her teammates finished ahead of her in MVP voting. And then still for her to come to the end of the season, like she did in LA. Yeah. And have the biggest moments because I think it just shows like what she's like. She, she is like that. She is like this at the end of the season. You may or may not believe in clutch. I do. And I think she, I think she just exhibits everything about um, that, Mm -hmm. that moment being in that moment. Absolutely. Flat out fierce. That's what I like to say about Chelsea Gray. And the thing about it is, she doesn't care if she's the third wheel, the fourth wheel, or the fifth wheel. Just she just wants to, to flat out win. And she wants to do it in dramatic fashion. And we've seen it. And I love it. Like, that's the kind of player that you love to play with because she's selfless, right? But she can also crush you yep. <laughs> with the ability to close and clutch moments like that. And the fact that she had on the, the Asia Wilson for MVP no. shirt and pointing at Asia like, this is the MVP. She doesn't care. I mean, maybe deep down. I don't know. I, no, I don't I think, think anyone on this that's, team. It's not on the list for her. Like, she wants to win another ring. Yeah. And she's the only player on this Las Vegas Aces team with a championship ring, winning one in 2016 with L.A. So she has the blueprint for that. Um, Vegas has been close several mm-hmm. times, but hasn't uh, come up with it. So, I mean, I think it would just be for them to win it this year. I think it would just be um, a great storybook ending to a great season for this Las Vegas Aces team Um, because of that, you know, you want to have that selflessness. You want to have that consistency and that's what it takes. Like you, you can't just be consistent on a Monday. Like you got to bring it every time out. Like, and that's every practice. Like I said, I saw them eyeballs on. Mm-hmm. And Chelsea Gray was just very communicative, a great leader yeah. on the court. And again, an extension of Becky Hammond and what Becky Hammond once executed. They have great leaders all over. Really. Yeah. This team is it's a team of leaders. Um, it's a team that it has very little ego. Like you were saying, you yeah. know, Asia Wilson found out that she was the MVP <laughs> right after the game, then came into the post game press conference and said, what my biggest thing when Chelsea got going was to get out of her way. Boom. And she said, she's the head of our snake. I've never seen someone do something like that. And this is coming from the MVP. And it's not just platitudes. Like you could tell it's 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 genuine and Absolutely. real. And I think that's what's powered them this year. Absolutely. Um, and that's why Becky Hammond was our coach of the year. Because she, she created this atmosphere where everyone felt safe and to not have an ego. Like you need, you need to feel safe to not have an ego, right? Right. I think that's what I think that's what they found is like we can be ourselves and we can understand that we're just trying to win together. And I think they've understood that they've embodied that. I think that's when they're in the finals. Right. And I think, you know, it's it's that old adage like you hit somebody with an open hand. That's going to hurt. But boy, when you hit Mm -hmm. them with these knuckles, (laughs) that's a different story. And I think their collective cohesion has been the real truth of their success. And they've just been phenomenal in that way. And it's just been a joy to watch them compete, but also a joy to listen to them after they've won and, and what it took. And yeah. I mean, we see it, but it's another thing, like you said, to hear them respect one another the way that they have. It's reciprocal. And, and for Becky Hammond also to, to give the flowers to her players 
saying, hey. And I was just mesmerized by those play calls in that overtime game. I think I retweeted like seven of them. I don't know. But just, I mean, it was like it went from the whiteboard to the court. Perfectly Perfect, executed. Yeah. I mean, just excellent. And um, I mean, I get happy about little things like that. But was, well, you know what made me really happy? I, I, I get really excited about this stuff too. But in the timeout, yeah. There wasn't like some sort of long drawn out explanation from from Becky Hammond. It was I'm gonna draw it on the whiteboard. You pick. You you screen for Asia. You screen for Kelsey. You screen for Chelsea. And then if you don't like it, you go here. We have two options. Everything is condensed. She said that in like 15 seconds, and the whole team got understood it, internalized it, and then did it on the court. That was awesome. It was awesome. It was awesome. And it was you know. And she said it. She was so calm too. I mean that poise carries over. She was just like, you go here, go here. You don't like it. You go there and go there. And it was very matter of fact. And that's how they played. Yeah. They played and executed in a matter of fact manner. And, and that's what got them the win too. I mean, they played with composure. They knew what they could do. Um, they had done it before. It wasn't their first rodeo. And I think Chelsea Gray said that prior to the postseason beginning. She was like, we've been doing this. Like, you know, now it's just playoff basketball now. You know, but we've been executing this well all season long, and yeah. and that's why they're in the finals too. So. No, no, I, I, I it's been lovely to watch. We, I, like I said, we do have to, we do have to keep it rolling here because we've we've gone on. Okay. And I want to preview the actual series that we said. That's that's the thumbnail of this video. It's the WNBA <laughs> Finals preview. I hope no one's yeah. mad at us, but obviously this is all great stuff. Yeah. Now, uh, I want to ask the yeah. same question about the Seattle Storm that I asked about the Chicago Scott. Okay. Is this it for the Seattle Storm? Obviously, to a certain extent, yeah, of course it is because Sue Bird is retiring. Yeah, um, really, it was really sad scene to be honest. After that game four, um, I wish she didn't lose at home because it, it kind of just like I was really happy for Vegas and, and pumped up about Chelsea Gray, and, and then you had to come down because it's like, wow, this is it. Yeah. This is actually yeah. it for Sue Bird. Actually, it for Brienne January was also saying goodbye after an amazing career. Yeah. Where she's, she was on the all defensive team in 2012. I was a sophomore in college, I think. Same. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> sure. Uh, but it's, and she just made one last year. So Brienne yeah. January also, also leaving. Stewart. Um, she's an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. So she can leave and she flirted with New York. And well, I'm sure we'll in the off season, we'll cut, we'll catch up with that situation, but she may also not play in the league because of the prioritization rule. She's made grumblings about that. I don't expect it to happen, but yeah, we'll have to see. And then Jewel Lloyd and uh, Mercedes Russell are the only players on contract for next year. Yeah. So I, is it, is this it? Yes. I mean, yeah. I hate to say it. Um, you know, that prioritization role is really going to be impactful across the league. But I think especially for, for teams like Seattle um, mm -hmm. and Chicago. Um, but I just think when you have uh, a player like Sue Bird exiting the court for the last time, and you could almost see it like in layers um, becoming a realization for her as she was walking around the court. And then the Aces players came over and gave her a hug and everything. But it was, oh man, that was, I mean, it was beautiful, but it was also sad, you was know, sad. Um, just because she has put in so much to this game. The game has loved her back a um, hundred times over, but it, that was tough to, it was beautiful, but it was also very uh, dramatic. Um, 
to see um, hands-on, like everything that she has done over her career has just been amazing. And then all the flashback videos from her rookie year and like, you know, and times at UConn and, uh, you know, her little face, you know, <laughs> the pigtails and I don't know, she's, she's been playing since she was a baby and it's like to, to come full scale with it. Um, she's not going to, you know, not be around the game. She said she's going to yeah. be right there. She's not going to be playing, but I think that is it for, for Seattle and, and oh. their core group. And I, I mean, Stuart, I don't know what she's going to do, but the fact that she was flirting last year means that that's somewhere resonating, floating around. Like maybe there's still thoughts that. Yeah. That congrats. Congrats to Jonathan Cobb, the Liberty's GM for, for this loss for the Seattle storm. I think it is a great, it's probably great news for uh, the New York Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, you know, I think they're done. Do you, I think, I think so too. I think this has to, well, certain, like I said, to a certain extent, the answer is yes, right? Because Sue Bird's not there anymore. Right. And we haven't seen a Seattle Storm without Sue Bird for most of my life. Burr. Yeah, right? Like yeah. 21 years or 20 years? Yeah. Something like that. That's crazy. I'm, I'm 29, so that's most of my oh, life. 29? Oh, you're a baby. Oh. <laughs> um, like I said on the last podcast, I'm not a baby. I'm a big boy. Big boy. Um, <laughs> the... But I think, yeah, I think this is it for Seattle. I mean, you know, if you're Brianna Stewart and you look at this roster, yeah, um, this lack of a roster, like you, you have to go to the to the organization. Say, hey, how, yeah. how are we rebuilding around this? Like, I don't know. I mean, Ty, Tiger, as I'll put up the comment again, Tiger, Tiger said they could get yeah. Courtney Vandersloot uh, in place of Bird, and you know, hey, that could that could work. But yeah. at the same time, you got to fill out the rest of this roster. The rest. And it's, and it's tough. And they, you know, they've, they've sold out to get these championships recently yeah. and they don't have as much draft capital because they've been drafting near the bottom of the draft. Right. So they don't have as many draft picks. They don't have as many young players. I, I think they could be good, but if I'm Brianna Stewart, I'm sitting there saying, well, why would I go there when I could go to, you know, either New York, a team that's on the up and up with a point guard that happens yeah. to be very good and young uh, with, yeah. with one of the players that she played with in Seattle. Yeah. Do I want to explore other options or do I even, can I even play in this league next year? So I think because of there's so many options, there's so many ways for Brianna Stewart to not be on this team next year. I'm going to say, yes, this is it for Seattle. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, you're looking at a team in, in LA who has no one signed back. I mean, yeah. they have free agents. I mean, the free agency market is going to be so intriguing to keep an eye on. Mm -hmm. um, this postseason um, after the finals obviously are over. But I, I just think that there are so many players who can shift and move, you know, this year. And it, it is going to be like a big puzzle piece, you know, for for a Stewie. Like, where is she going to end up? Where is Sloot going to end up? I think there's going to be a lot of movement um, this season. And, and like no other year, I think this is like big names are going to be you know, oh, yeah. stopped and moved and, and shipped and decided to move on their own. I, I think it's going to be really intriguing to see it. But I think for for Seattle, I think it's going to be um, interesting for for Noel Quinn. I mean, it was hard to listen to that post game. Oh man, it was hard to listen to that post game presser with her in there and um, just how solemn she was. As she should have been. I mean, season's over, but at the same time, it was like. You know, as a coach, you want it so badly for your players. Like when you're coaching, it's not about you. It's about your players. And you know how hard they've worked. You know the sweat and the grind and the blood and the tears. You've seen it. 
and you want it so badly for them. So as a coach, it's frustrating not to get it for them. And that was all over her um, in that post-game press conference. But I think it's going to be a, um, you know, start from scratch situation there. Wow. That's I, crazy to say, because we haven't said that about the Seattle storm in a long time. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really this time. I think it's, it's really true. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll catch back up with the storm and the sky and all the eliminated teams. Um, when the finals are over, we'll put this, we're, we're going to be talking about this series for a little bit. Yeah. Um, Connecticut at Las Vegas game one is on Sunday at 3 PM on ABC. Nice. Um, going to be a fun time. Oh. And, and you're, as you were talking about Seattle and free agency and how mm-hmm. much things are going to shift, I find it really interesting that the two teams that are here, mm-hmm. neither of them really added something this off season. You know, I think it's a it's a lesson in continuity. Yeah. And maybe I was listening. I think uh, Coach T brought this up in his uh, exit interview. Like, you look yeah. at the teams that are there right now, they've had continuity. They've had years of runway to get together and to understand how to play together. And I, I think in the way these both these teams won, mm-hmm. exhibited that. These yeah. teams really knew where they were. They knew they understood each other. And they didn't have to m- mesh anything. Obviously, Connecticut losing Jasmine Thomas was a big deal. but. Big deal. They've been together, and this is, and you asked me before the podcast started, because you, I, know, I don't want to reveal too much, but I know you want to, you want Chicago, because uh, everyone wanted Chicago versus Las yeah. Vegas. I did. Everyone did. Everyone did. You're not alone. I did. I'm really excited for the series for a cu- for a couple reasons. I just think the series is what we we've been waiting for. This obviously we've been waiting for a Chicago Vegas series, but this is the one we picked at the beginning yeah. of last year. Right. I mean, at the beginning of last year's playoffs, it was Connecticut against Las Vegas in the finals. Right. And and they played an awesome series in the bubble as well. They did. These two teams match up really well together. And I think it's going to be a great clash of styles, right? Like Vegas won on their offense against Seattle. You know, actually, I have a stat here that I haven't been able to use. Uh, Is it? <laughs> uh, Vegas put up a 110.5 offensive rating against the league's second best defense. Uh, Connecticut held the league's second best offense to 90.4 uh, points per 100 boy. against oh, boy. Yeah. So well. it's going to be a great style clash of styles. I think it's going to be a great matchup of teams that are, have great chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just, you know, something that we've been working towards for years. It has. And, you know, going back to regular season play and Vegas holding a 2-1 advantage over Connecticut, I, you know, I, I'm throwing that out the window as a stack because of them, uh, because of Chicago having the 4-0 lead over Connecticut. So let's not even factor that in because here we are um, in the finals. But I think when you have, like you said, the contrasting styles um, of these two teams, I think that is going to be something to circle for sure, um, statistically speaking, but also matchup wise. And I already mm-hmm. said that Vegas doesn't go deep into their bench. Chicago, I mean, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> Connecticut. She prepped. Fine. She was like me. I, I made the fine. I made the Chicago thumbnail and thought, fine. hey, maybe I should make one for Connecticut just in I'm case. Fine. But Connecticut, they go a little deeper into their bench, uh, and they bring out you know uh, Carrington and you know some other players who come in and really make an impact, especially on the defensive side. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see the rotations. Um, I'm sure you know you get to this juncture, you're not going to change it if you're Becky Hammond. You're not going to yeah. go deep into the bench all of a sudden. Okay. Um, but if foul trouble, you know, presents itself or, you know, when you're forced to make uh, a deeper dive into your bench, 
we'll see what that looks like. If that's necessary to do, she will do it for sure. But um, Derek Hamby has not looked healthy um, when she oh, has yeah. come into the game. Um, hopefully she'll get that back. I mean, only a couple days here before game one, but yeah. I think, you know, she didn't look like herself in terms of her, her pop and, and shift of direction didn't look quite a hundred percent. So you don't want to be a liability for your team in that way. Um, or to be singled out in an offense, you know, uh, defensively, right, to yeah. attack De'Erica, right? Because, you know, her, her lateral speed is not quite 100% is getting there. Um, but I love a healthy De'Erica Hamby on the court for the Las Vegas Aces to add to their depth, of course. Um, but Kia Stokes, like you said, has been doing a, a tremendous job in, in that role. But I think, you know, no disrespect to Connecticut, Okay. Uh, How many times have we said this on the podcast? I I have to say this because it's not like there's a disrespect for Connecticut there. I think I I over-respected Chicago. And I hate that I'm saying that, but I did. And, I mean, they had it right in their hand, gave and and let it go. No, yeah, yeah. I said it. I wasn't going to, but I said it. So sorry. They did. But Connecticut took it. They took it. You can, you can it. leave it there too. And, and that's, and that goes back to all the things we talked about with their, um, with their chemistry and all that. But you know, in, in this series, I'm with you. You got to throw out the two, one seriously. That, that doesn't matter. No okay. John Qual in that third game and no Raquana in the first two games, even though Raquana earlier in the season was not a big, as big of a part of this team as she is now. Yes. Um, and she's become a giant part of this team. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about the bench. I'm thinking like, Hey, the bench. Yes. I, I think, um, you know, Kaneka has the advantage, but with Raquana playing the way she is, if, you know, Derrica Hamby can get 20% healthier, 30% healthier, like, yeah, get, get as healthy as you can. Maybe don't play her in game one. Game one is not yeah. the closeout game. Maybe give her a rest until yeah. next week. I don't know. I'm not yeah. a doctor, but right. I think they, they will having, they had, they certainly have enough players. They can play all five players. Incredible minutes. Like, like we mentioned because of how in shape they are. Of course. So I think where it's going to come down to is just which side of the ball dictates the game. Is it Vegas's offense or yeah. is it Connecticut's defense? Yeah. And like I mentioned before, so Chicago runs that motion-based stuff. I think Vegas has definitely more of a tendency to just isolate certain actions. Say, hey, Chelsea, get us a bucket. Hey, Asia, get us a bucket. They like to run their sets. They have great sets. Um, but I think it's less susceptible to the disruption that Connecticut face, uh, you right. know, provides and they've been really excellent at attacking help and you know connecticut's going to help in this game a ton so i think vegas their offense has a has a slight advantage but the connecticut's defense just put on one of the best performances we've seen in that fourth quarter against chicago so what what do you think about that which side dictates vegas's offense or connecticut's defense I think it's going to be Vegas's offense because of the way they spread you out. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to force rotations. And sometimes, I mean, it's easier said than done when you say, when you force rotations in a, in a tighter area, which Chicago yeah. kind of forced them to do, but they had tighter space, right? So it's easier to rotate against this Las Vegas Aces team. The way they spread you out, you got a longer way to go on your rotations. You better be hustling your butt, right? Mm-hmm. When that ball is moved, that second and third line of defense, you better be ready to be on a string. And that's what the challenge of defending a team like Las Vegas is. You've really got to move on the pass. You've really got to arrive on the catch and be disruptive on the ball. I mean, that's the key against a team like Las Vegas. You can't wait. 
you can't come and, and close out with the forehead. Like you got to get a stick arm up. Mm -hmm. You've got to be active with your other hand, you know, and taking away passing angles and, and making that disruptive for them to make those plays. But if there's a drive, right. Yep. That, that Chelsea Gray is going to force you into, she's going to drive to that nail. She's going to drive to that elbow area and force a collapse. If you're slow to, to contain that, if she gets by that, that primary defender, if you're slow to rotate to that, you're in trouble, right? Yeah. Even if you're fast, first, even if you're fast to rotate it, you're still in trouble. You're in trouble because that first domino is going to dictate the rotation behind her. You know that that primary defender, that first action is going to dictate the rotation, and I think that's going to be the challenge for Connecticut. Yeah. Can you move quickly enough with extended space on the offensive end that Las Vegas is going to bring you? Can you rotate quickly? In, in that and, and that's going to be a big challenge and if they can do that boy this is going to be five game series yeah you know I, <laughs> I i i think they can you know you look at seattle they were able to do it to a certain extent actually i thought seattle kind of found um a little bit of a rhythm like getting getting yeah. the ball to kia stokes in in the yeah. short roll um yeah. and that was successful they just didn't collapse fast yeah. enough at the yeah. rim to force her to yeah. make a decision so i think there's an opportunity there and i think connecticut i don't know i mean because seattle's defense is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, and I, I think this Connecticut defense has a lot of the things that that Seattle defense did. They right. just don't have as good of guard defenders, which kind of worries me. Um, because all right, so I'm I'm, I'm looking at the the matchups from the second game, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. So here are the ones that are pretty okay. And mm -hmm. and we, we obviously we have to change this now because Hamby is probably not starting if I had to guess. But here are the matchups from the second game. So we had Kelsey Plum with Natisha Heidemann on her. Okay. Matchup. It's a good matchup. I like Luana it. Bonner on Jackie Young. Good matchup. Interesting. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting matchup. <laughs> I think they'll, they'll go up and down. Yeah. Uh, they had Derricka Hamby uh, was facing off with Alyssa Thomas. Mm. So Alyssa Thomas on, on Derricka Hamby and then John Cole Jones on Asia. Obviously, with Kiss Stokes in there, I don't know what you want to do. I think. Mm -hmm. Here, I, I would say you want to keep John Quell on Asia, especially after what she did to Candace Parker. Right. Asia provide is a different assignment, but I think getting John Quell on your best on the best post player, yeah, is is number one. Have to. I think Alyssa would do a great job on Kia Stokes because she's not going to get posted up. That's fine, mm -hmm. but she's also going to provide a lot more problem. She's going to create a lot more problems on the pick and roll if. Um, if uh, Vegas wants to bring her into the pick and roll, yeah. it makes it a lot easier to defend if it's Alyssa Thomas there. Right. So that's great. Here's the problem. Uh, they had Courtney Williams on Chelsea Gray. Ah. Not that anyone can guard Chelsea Gray at the moment. If she's going to shoot the shot she hit, she hit in the last series, the series is over. Don't worry about it. Magical. But if she's coming back down to earth, she's going to cook Courtney Williams regardless. And you're going to keep having her kill you. So I don't know what the solution is there because they just have one spot that is not a good matchup, and that's the worst spot to have that matchup. So maybe you put Heidemann on her, but then Heidemann's a little too small. I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one. How you how they approach Chelsea Gray? Yeah, Gray's a big guard. I mean, she's you know six foot, and she is bringing that ball down with some power and effectiveness. And as that, when you have that size at that position, not only are we talking about her ability to hit tough shots, but she can see over top of you. Yeah and make those incredible no-look passes to her teammates, um, 
you know, in the space that we were already talking about. But I think, you know, you also have to flip it over on the other side and, and talk about how Vegas matches up with Connecticut. And Vegas will throw a variety of defenses at you. They have a ton of schemes. They go some triangle and two. They do some, yeah. you know, box and one, diamond and one. You know, they'll mix up some things um, for a couple of possessions just to throw you off balance. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that defensively from Las Vegas. Obviously, they've been doing it all year. This is not like a, a knee-jerk finals adjustment. They've been doing yeah. this all season long um, and in the postseason as well. So I think that'll be something um, to watch for, the creativity of the defensive choices from Las Vegas. But when you're talking about Connecticut, I mean, you know, I think you're really missing a player like Jasmine Thomas, um, who would shore up that spot that you're talking about and and really... Um, that turns of, into a strength. Exactly. And, and solidify it for them on the defensive end. So now, you know, it's about heart and hustle at this point. Sometimes you know, you're missing that one spot. Yeah, deep. That's what, that's what they did last series against Chicago. So they're going to have to do that again because I think they are missing that spot, you know, because of the injury to Jasmine Thomas. But at the same time, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a pretty even matchup in this game, um, especially with the momentum that Connecticut's coming into this mm -hmm. series with. Also something to prove as always, and they want to win and that'll dispel every, every situation that, that they hear um, yeah. about being disrespected. No, when, I, I, when so I've proposed this adjustment twice for the Connecticut Sun and neither time has Kurt Miller taken me up on it, which makes me think he doesn't <laughs> listen to the podcast, which makes me very upset, Kurt. I think he does. Yeah, I think he might. But I think they, I think uh, Kenny Brooks told us this like in season. I don't listen to you guys. I'm sorry. That's fair. Um, <laughs> so, maybe, so I think Kurt's a little busy. But I've been, I've been saying this is that they should, they need to run out for their four best players, Dewana Bonner, Alyssa Thomas, and John Cole Jones, yeah. uh, and Bree Jones together with either Courtney Williams right. or Natisha Heideman at up top. Now, they have not run this lineup once the entire season i looked at the lineup numbers it hasn't happened they ran they ran um i think they ran thomas jones and jones together with jasmine thomas yes at, at right at the beginning of the season then jasmine thomas went down mm -hmm. but it just kind of signals to me like you know kurt doesn't trust his, his point guards as much to to initiate the offense you know you need the two ball handlers at the top Mm -hmm. Because it's it's been tough to initiate offense for Connecticut, yeah. so I think that I don't I think that's off the table. I would think it's perfect though, because in this matchup you got some bigs that you know you want John Quell and on Asia will put Bree on Stokes, put At on Jackie Young, right, and then we and then we have Duana Bonner on Chelsea Gray. That that that's a great matchup either. It's not because right. Chelsea Gray is is much you know much faster on the perimeter, I believe, but. I, I just think there's there's an opportunity there. It's probably not going to happen though. I'm just going to continue bringing it up because if the Sun lose, and I'll come on here and say, "Hey, that's why they <laughs> lost because Kurt didn't listen to me." Hey, come on, Kurt. But I, on, I, I I'm with you. I think it is going to be even. I just think Connecticut has to lock down the defensive end like they did against Chicago. Yeah. If this turns into a series where the teams are scoring, you know, 90 plus points, Vegas is winning it. Right. Vegas. Yeah. If, I, it, if I, it's I, a series I, in the 70s. Connecticut has a chance. Yeah, and that's what Kurt Miller has, has discussed in this postseason yeah. to make the games messy. messy. I mean, that's to quote him, like, "Hey, we want to, we want to mess it up. We want to muddy up, you know, the style of play." And I think that's what they did against Chicago um, to close out the series. I think you know it, it's not going to be smooth and pretty. We are going to deflect 
passes mm-hmm. to, to ruin your offensive rhythm and, and take you out of it. And that's, that's why they've advanced to the finals. So I think when you have that uh, mentality to come in and, and be disruptive, have hands in the passing lane, up and active with your, with your hands and your feet uh, defensively, I think it makes a huge difference. So is it going to be enough? against a team like Las Vegas, who was also riding some strong momentum into the finals. Well, uh, Coach Coach Scott, no, Christy, no. Winters, <laughs> Christy Winters, uh, is it going to be? What's, uh, what's your prediction here? I'm going with the Las Vegas Aces in, in? – in, I had the, the, same, the same exact I thing. In, I'm going to go in four. Yeah, in four. I was gonna say five, but I I think I'm gonna go in four. I think I'm gonna go in four because I think the pace that they want to play with, yeah, the space that they create in the quarter court, um, I think makes a huge difference. But they're gonna have to lock in defensively too. Like they they've got to be on point. They've got to mix things up and and muddy things up as well. They got to make it ugly on the defensive end for Connecticut because they set and use some good screens in their quarter court offense sure. as well and are very effective with that when they execute yeah no i i think i'm going with vegas i'm going with vegas in five honestly just wishful thinking i kind of want to see five games i think it'd be cool <laughs> if vegas won at home uh i think I'm, I'm trying to go to game three if anyone from the WNBA is listening and wants to hook me up with uh the information <laughs> of how to get a credential after the deadline let me know um because <laughs> i'm trying to go to game three uh but yeah i'm going vegas in five i just i think vegas has too much talent I think Vegas has too much offense. I think Vegas is playing two together um, to lose to a team like Connecticut. I think Connecticut, you know, was may have been hoping to see like Seattle or someone because that it, it's this that one of the reasons they won the series against Chicago. It, like we mentioned, it was all mentality. A lot of it was the mentality. Well, they were hungrier. They wanted it more, you know. And I hate I hate when people say that, but that does that does play a factor in your preparation and how you do things and how you approach the game and your focus right when you're saying we absolutely need this our entire future as a team depends on us winning this and and our legacy right chicago's legacy is already set so connecticut had 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 a bigger you know impetus to win i think vegas has that feeling too though you know they felt like they've missed out a lot they felt that they haven't been at where they needed to be in the last couple years and they want to win now. And I, I think that's what's going to kind of the that canceling out yeah, puts it into the realm of talent adjustments and scheme. And I think in those situ in, in those three categories, I have yeah. Vegas. Yeah. I, I mean, I think when you, when you look at it like that, uh, you know, all things being said, I mean, you, you want to see a great series. And I, you know, that game five back at Vegas would be yeah. like thrilling, awesome. to say the least. Um, but I think they're they're purpose driven at this at this point. Um, both teams, but I think for Las Vegas, I just think they they have more continuity when it comes to that level of mentality and the consistency of that. Um, yeah. I think we'll show in the finals. And you know, can Dierica Hamby come in and, and make an impact? I'm kind of counting on that as well. Um, factoring that into my prediction. Um, but I think she's going to make a big difference if she can come back in and, and impact the team, um, especially on the defensive end, especially with um, the board work. Um, who knows what she can bring offensively. I don't think they need that yeah. necessarily, unless, you know, she slips on that weak side on the right side and, and gets those, uh, 
those easy buckets that that Stokes has has had a couple times on those rotations. So um, can she come in and provide that? I think that's going to be um, something to look for. Mm-hmm. But I think even without that, I think Las Vegas has enough. No, I think we have, yeah, I'm about to set the way up. that they've been playing. I think so too. Um, if you have a, if you have a finals prediction, drop it in the comments. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, 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 shout out to everyone in the comments, by the way, we really yeah. appreciate you guys. Tiger, <laughs> Phoenix, Braden. Didn't say hi to Braden yet. Sorry. Braden was here Braden. early. Jo- Josh, Chiquita. She was here earlier. I, I know everyone can't <laughs> hang out for an hour and a half. So we appreciate it. Anytime you guys. <laughs> Good lunch hour. Out. This is a perfect time. Um, but yeah, okay. no, I think, I, I think we're gonna, we're gonna see some really good basketball. I think yeah. we're gonna see some really good basketball. I'm excited about it. Um, I don't know though. I, I don't feel confident in my Vegas and five. I feel confident about the Vegas part. I don't feel confident about the five part. You think it's going to be a sweep? I, I could see it being a sweep. Wow. I being a heard sweep. it here first folks. Well, I mean, you, we saw, we've seen, we've seen really good teams get swept we before. Have. We have 20. There's a sweep, uh, you know, Last year was only four games, right? No, last year was five games. Five. Yeah, last year was five games. Interesting. Yeah, so I, I could see I could see it. I mean, I could see it going five, but I just think I could also see it going three. Three. Four. Um, all right. So I did I did want to talk about one more thing before okay. we get out of here. We might get out of here under an hour and a half. Yay. <laughs> uh, I wanted to hear your if you're willing to if you're willing to say your okay. MVP ballot. Oh yeah, I'm here for that. Um, yeah, so, I have, who'd you vote for? I voted for Asia Wilson. You know, and and we talked about it last week about how it's the best player on the best team, and now that they're in the finals, <laughs> there it is. I mean, it, and to me, I get it, man. You you get 42 points if you're Brianna Stewart. Um, I mean, she's amazing. And I've always said that this is no slap or shade or, or disrespect or whatever. This is the best player on the best team. And she has other players around her that are great, but they make her the MVP. Um, and that's why she's able to be around a, a gray, a plum and, you know, a Jackie young and have all those, those roles around her and still be able to be dominating. Um, in her role. And I think that's what makes her most valuable. Yeah. Does Las Vegas get to where they are without her? No. Absolutely not. Does Does Seattle get to where they are without Stewie? No, they don't. No. But Vegas is in the finals. So here, here, I, well, I want, I want to hear you, the rest, because you, you have to, do you only vote for one name or you vote, you vote five places, right? Five places. Okay. I want to hear the and whole thing. Point wise. I want to hear the whole thing. I agree with you. Asia Wilson's the MVP of the season. I do not agree with the reasoning that she is the best player on the best team. That could be a different discussion for a different day. Okay. We've gone on too long today. Okay. I do, I'm totally in agreement though. Asia Wilson, absolutely the MVP. I think by any uh, definition you want to put on this, I think she brought the most valuable. She brought the most value to a team that was winning. You know, I, I create my cutoff at like the four, you know, top four teams. Those are where the MVPs are coming from right. in this league. So, I think she brought the most valuable, the most value to a team at that level. I think she was incredible on both ends of the ball. Maybe not the defensive player of the year, but certainly close, like one second in defensive player of the year. Right. One of the best offensive players we've seen. Unbelievable. So Asia winning it the correct way. I thought it wasn't going to happen for a little bit, but yeah. Asia winning, absolutely correct. 
I do want to hear the rest of your ballot though, because it was <laughs> the rest of the balloting was very interesting. Uh, also, whoever voted for Chelsea Gray first, genius. Yeah, that person is feeling like a million bucks right now after yeah. after what she's done in these playoffs. Um, but let me let me hear the rest of your ballot. Well, first of all, I don't have it in front of me. Okay. <laughs> I can guess. I can guess. Yeah. I can guess I which one. guess and I can I can dispel or check off what. what okay. So, I think you had Asia first and then Bri uh, Stewie second. I did. Okay. I think you had Alyssa Thomas third. I did not have her third. Did you have Kelsey Plum third? I had Plum. Oh, you Plum third. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Uh Plum third. Uh, so then Alyssa, considering how you said Alyssa, although hold on, because there's one, there's one vote for Natasha Cloud fourth place. Was that not you? <laughs> what? Someone voted, someone voted fourth place, gave a fourth place vote to Natasha Cloud. Elena Deladon also got votes. So I'm guessing your fourth place finisher was Elena Deladon. Okay. Is it not? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sharing all that. Oh, I'm Christy, you said things. you would. I know. I said, oh, shoot. I'm just giving you my top three. Fine. Top three it is. Fine. But I did I did just realize that the Natasha Cloud vote <laughs> cannot. There's an Elena Daldon vote for third, which apparently was not you. That was not you. Does it have an IP address on that? No, but I can figure okay, this out. Good. Don't don't test me, Christy. I'm I'm an investigative journalist when I want to be. You're also a lawyer, so I have to be careful. I'm, I'm I mean, there's a there's a third place vote for Elena Daldon, and there's a fourth place vote for Natasha Cloud, and there's uh okay, those are the only two that I would say are fishy fishy for Christy. I would imagine Alyssa Thomas is on here just from the way you responded. <laughs> So I, I would say, I mean, if you voted for Plum third, that does make it a little difficult to figure out. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to find out. I'm going to okay. find out. <laughs> I just got all of a sudden uncomfortable with sharing that. I don't know why. Mm. Um, but I did vote for Asia Wilson for MVP. Okay. That's good enough. That. <laughs> Christy. And, and Stuart um, as second. Yeah. Christy so. holding out on us. Top two. <laughs> did you vote Plum third? Oh wait, she's lying to us. You're a lawyer, so I can't lie. Uh, I don't know. I'm just going with my she's top two, and I have to. I, you know what? Honestly, I have to go back in and look and see uh, exactly um, the points and and all of that. Can you see the sweat bead popping off? Really? She is falling <laughs> apart under the you cross examination. Ask, you can ask Lisa Byington. I don't do well with selections of people because it's it's a cornucopia. That's what I call it. It's like it's what you like, and and you know all of the different interpretations on how to get there. It's like the Waze app or the Google Maps or whatever. You have all these different ways to get to. Your your decision, your, your honor. The witness is stalling. Permission to treat the witness. The witness is hostile. Where's the gavel, man? You bet. You better sign us out before I start. I start actually cross examining because now I want to know. Oh my god! I need a gavel. Okay, that's that's it for this edition. We don't have to go home, but we got to get up out of here. Uh, thank you guys for joining us today on Courtside with Christy and Gabe right here on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. 
We'll see you next time. <laughs> Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.